It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Touchdown, Los Angeles. You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, Rams Nation. What's happening? What's good? It's your boy Bear Motter of Rams Podcast, but this is Lockdown Rams. Friday edition of Lockdown Rams, and we're closing this week out, and we're talking more Rams football here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team, every day. We had a great week of shows, so if you guys didn't get a chance, head back and listen. We had a bunch of awesome people on this week. We had Sosa Cremenges on from Turf Show Times. We had Matt Williamson of Lockdown NFL, and of course, Jake Ellenbogen yesterday from Downtown Rams. So a lot of great coverage this week, getting back into the focus of the Rams. If you didn't get a chance to listen to our Ultimate Crossover series, that was the previous week. Head back. That's going to be good information throughout this offseason, especially as things start to develop as we took a look at the 2019 season and looked forward into the 2020 season, something we'll be doing and reflecting back on a lot as we get through this offseason. And we are just a day away from finding out our compensatory picks in the upcoming 2020 draft. Those will be released on Friday, aka today. The draft combine is just a few weeks away as well. And that kind of leads us into, again, we talked about Sean McVay, Les Snee, what their plans for, the coordinator staying home. Sounds like Sean McVay will only spend a day there. So uh, we're going to get to a lot of that stuff. But there's always stuff to talk about here with the Rams, and especially when Les Snead is behind that magical curtain wheeling and dealing. And there's another story out there. So we're going to talk about that today on who might be the next big trade. And of course, the Los Angeles Rams and their name has been circled around with a few extra players out there. So we're going to talk about that here today. We're also going to take a look back at the 2019 season. An awesome article from JB Long today talking about the progression of Jared Goff. And it may be what wasn't as bad as it looked as you kind of zoomed in on a couple different parts of the season. So we're going to talk about that in the third segment as well. Great episode for you guys today. So with all of that, let's just get right to it. Les Snead and the Los Angeles Rams have never shied away from a blockbuster trade. Question is, is there another one coming our way? I'm Bear Motter of Lockdown Rams, and this is your lead story. According to NFL Insider from Pro Football Network, Tony Pauline, the Rams and the Denver Broncos are at the top of the list to land Detroit Lions cornerback Darius Slay. Slay is in the last year of his deal with the Detroit Lions. He's 29 years old. He's a three-time Pro Bowler, first-team All-Pro. In his career, he's got 19 interceptions and 104 pass deflections. But as I mentioned, he's coming into his final year of that five-year extension he got with the Detroit Lions. It's going to cost him about $13.3 million against the cap in 2020. And right there you say, all right, that's probably enough. The Rams are out. But as I mentioned, Tony Pauline of Pro Football Network says otherwise. He is, this is a direct quote. I'm told right now that the two teams at the top of the pack to land Slay are the Denver Broncos and the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams are interested considering they trade for Jalen Ramsey last year. The Broncos are expected to lose Chris Harris in free agency, so Slay would slide right in. That is a direct quote from a podcast that he was recently on talking about all the news and notes around the NFL. Interesting, and as he said right there, you wouldn't think the Rams would make a ton of sense, especially that they have Jalen Ramsey. They still have to look to extend him. For the Rams' sake, maybe that happens this offseason. You've seen the Rams many of times get ahead of those contracts and handle them a year before 
Uh, they become pushed up against the wall against them. This also, if the Rams can do this, could maybe save the Rams some money in the long term as they can put some of Jalen Ramsey's money towards the back end and give a little bit of leeway as far as what they have this year to spend. Right now, they're sitting around $20 million or so uh, as far as the cap that they have available. Again, we talked the other day about potentially uh, restructuring Jared Goff, that would free up about $24 million. Restructuring Aaron Donald, that could potentially free up about $13 million. So there's ways to get creative and less need is shown in the past. That is what he is willing to do. Will the players be willing to do that and help out? That is still to be seen. But it is kind of fun thinking in your head, putting Jalen Ramsey and Darius Slay together on the same defense. Sources close to the Lions say that the Lions may be only looking for a second or third round pick. Rams don't have a ton of picks. We talked about it. Six picks right now, potentially seven. I'm not sure this makes a ton of sense, but if you're a football fan, this should excite you on the thought of those guys coming together. The other option of this is Denver Broncos, and they are looking to replace Chris Harris Jr. Where does Chris Harris Jr. go? He's 30 years old and kind of on the back half of his career, but he's looking to secure that big payday after four Pro Bowl nods that he has kind of racked up over there with the Denver Broncos. Remember, he was a part of that 2015 Broncos championship. He has a history with our now defensive coordinator, Brandon Staley, as they work together in Denver. That might be an interesting reunion. Again, I don't think the Rams really need to go get another cornerback, as we've talked on this podcast at lengths about the depth that they have at cornerback. They've got the likes of, obviously, Jalen Ramsey, Troy Hill, Nikel Roby Coleman, Darius Williams, who came on late and really proved that he could play in this league as he had a lot of production in those last couple games that he was in there and starting when Troy Hill was out with the finger injury. They also spent a draft pick last year on David Long Jr. out of Michigan. Have some high hopes for him. So the room is kind of filled, but maybe they look to package a deal with a third round pick and a guy like Troy Hill that could save some money, free it up to give it to Slay. But the thing is, Slay is an expiring contract after this year. He's going to want to get paid big time. So I don't know how long the Rams would be able to keep him around here in Los Angeles. So is this another pushing in one year type of deal on a guy trying to go and make a push at a run for the Super Bowl again? And if it's not Slay, and we're looking maybe at Chris Harris Jr. as we're talking about how this kind of whole domino might fall, he will hit the free agent market, but he's probably looking to command roughly $11 million per season. Again, with all the needs that we have on this roster, I don't see the Rams spending more big money at the cornerback position, but if they can find a way to get in on Slay, maybe drop a little bit of the roster if they move a guy like Troy Hill, bring him in for a year. You probably won't have a lot of happy fans out there, but man, watching those two guys with Jalen Ramsey back there together in the defense could be exciting. I think it's a lot of talk right now, but hey, as the two teams mentioned, Broncos and Rams, Les Snead, you know he is a wily GM back there, wheeling and dealing, so wouldn't be surprised if somehow this thing came to fruition and all of a sudden we've got a star-studded secondary I'll tell you one thing, never a dull moment in the offseason for the Rams. They are constantly involved in talks with multiple teams, draft picks, free agents. There's always excitement since they've come here to Los Angeles. So keep an eye on this one. We'll see how it shakes out, what happens if it's talk, if it's not, if the Rams are looking to add another big time piece on that back end of the defense, or if they're just out here trying to push some buttons and see what is possible and maybe just kicking tires and not really out there looking to buy. So we'll see. A lot of interesting things, especially with this CBA, which we'll talk about here in the next segment as this kind of gets a little bit further in Rapport kind of told us that expect a lot of GMs right now are kind of holding out and waiting to see how this thing really goes through. And then we could see a 
plethora of moves that follow after all of this. So, so don't be surprised next week. We spend a lot of time on who's getting cut, not only with the Rams, but around the league and how that really affects all these dominoes falling leading up to the NFL draft. Friday edition, Lockdown Rams, your team every day, only on Lockdown Podcast Network. The Suns rise in Orlando, but their playoff hopes set in the West. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. Despite finishing a perfect 8-0 in the NBA bubble, the Phoenix Suns are leaving without a playoff berth. Check out Locked On Suns today for a postmortem on an amazing run by Devin Booker and company. That's all thanks to tiebreakers and a Karis LeVert jumper that rimmed out, giving the Portland Trail Blazers a win and a meeting with the Memphis Grizzlies in a play-in series for the Western Conference 8th seed. That begins on Saturday. Beginning today, all of the Locked On NBA playoff teams will be previewing the playoffs with special crossover shows. Scout your team and your opponent on the Locked On Podcast Network. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Locked On Fantasy Football with your Locked On Fantasy Football Edge of the Day. Tight end is a prime position for finding fantasy football sleeper value in 2020. After George Kittle and Travis Kelsey go off the board early, don't worry. You can wait and still get some great return for a starter at the position. The two prime targets both have HH for initials, the Chargers Hunter Henry and the Falcons Hayden Hurst. A healthy Henry can have a monster downfield receiving season for new QB Tyrod Taylor and carries high TD upside. As for Hurst, he's stepping right into the productive spot vacated by Austin Hooper in Atlanta as key support to Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Calvin Ridley. Trust in Henry a little earlier and Hurst a little later to give you some pleasing tight end one results. Get the edge in your fantasy football league every day by listening to Locked On Fantasy Football on your preferred podcast provider. So if you tuned into yesterday's podcast, me and Jake kind of had this tweet come up from Adam Schefter about the new CBA and the extension of the playoffs, bringing seven teams into the playoffs. That would be 14 total teams. It would break it down to have three playoff games on Saturday of wildcard weekend and three playoffs on Sunday of wildcard weekend, which right now my mind is exploding with excitement for the understanding of how awesome those games were in not only last year, but over the past couple years. And to know that you get three games on each of those days, six over the whole weekend. Uh, We talked about the big part of that is also there's only going to be one team that gets a bye. And how important that is because looking back over the years, Uh, Those top two seeds has taken home the bye, and things have really shaken up and changed a lot. Now one team gets the bye. Everyone else will be fighting for their lives in wildcard weekend. Just think about that. As we talked yesterday, that means the Chiefs would have had an extra game. They wouldn't have gotten that bye to sit around. I mean, we saw the New England Patriots get shocked as they got bumped from that second seed into the wildcard weekend. And next thing you know, they're out of the playoffs. So it could change fast just by sneaking in. That would have been the Rams and the Steelers would have been in last year's playoff format. But... That is last year, and this is this year. Um, As of Thursday, all 32 owners met in New York City to kind of look over the proposal. Three-fourths of the owners have to approve the CBA before it is ratified. 
Owners were not unanimous in their approval, but sources close to ESPN have told that the proposal is still gathering enough support to pass. And in fact, here's the statement from the NFL talking about how this contract went and them accepting the proposal. It says, quote, following more than 10 months of intensive and thorough negotiations, the NFL players and clubs have jointly developed a comprehensive set of new and revised terms that will transform the future of the game, provide for its players past, present, and future, both on and off the field, and ensure that the NFL's second century is even better and more exciting for the fans. The membership voted today to accept the negotiated terms on the principal elements of a new collective bargaining agreement. The Players Association will also need to vote to approve the same terms for there to be a new agreement. Since the club and players need to have a system in place and know the rules that they will operate under by the next week, the membership also approved moving forward under the final year of the 2011 CBA. If the players decide not to approve the negotiated terms, out of respect for the process, our partners at the NFLPA, we have no further comment at this time. So the owners basically said, yes, we agreed it. We sent over the players. They still need to agree upon it. Then we can move forward. If they do not agree upon it, they don't have any further comment. So interesting stuff there, but they have come out and basically said all is good to go. That includes a 17-game regular season schedule. Also a part of the new deal, players will go from 47% share under the current deal to 48 if there were 16 games and 48.5 share if they go to 17 games, shifting $5 billion in revenue to the player's side. That is crazy. 1.5% change shifts $5 billion over to the players. That is why we are doing this, people. Money, money, money. And for the consumer, more, more, more football. I've seen a lot of reactions on Twitter and other social medias about this. Some for it, some against it. Change is inevitable in this game. We've seen the XFL come up and they have changed a bunch of rules as far as safety, as far as gameplay. Don't be surprised if the NFL, I'm not saying they are going to copy the XFL, but continuing to develop and keep an open mind when it comes to the game. And that includes the playoff structure, player safety, drug policies, punishment policies. All these things are going to kind of change and develop over the next few years. This is a big piece of it. But again, it still needs to be passed by the players. Richard Sherman has been very vocal about being against a 17-game regular season. And there is some interesting talk when it comes to that 17-game regular season. According to Tom Pelissero of NFL Network, players who sign their contracts based on a 16-game schedule will get an extra weekly game check. For example, a player who has $1.7 million base salary gets 100000 a week during the regular season, with one paycheck each week, including the buy. If the NFL expands the schedule to 17 games over 18 weeks, that player will still get $100,000 a week, so his salary will automatically bump up to $1.8 million. But, as he says, there is a catch. The extra payment would be capped at $250,000, so any player making more than $250,000 a week, which equals a base salary of $4.25 million, he'd be playing for less money in the 17th game. He also states that this will only affect the players that negotiated their contract before the switch to the 17-game season has become official. And again, that most likely won't happen until the 2020 season. The new playoff format, that will come in to effect as soon as next season if this gets a passed. This is going to change a lot. We're going to just have to sit back and wait and see how this thing processes. Uh, if it does get passed, we could see some instant reaction, of course, in the 2020 season with that 
different playoff format. And another good thing, if this gets passed, we know that there's no interruption in football for the next nine years after this. They would then have to renegotiate the deal moving forward after that. But no threat of a lockout, no missing football. We haven't had that in a while, so it'd be good just to kind of keep that peace of mind when it comes to uh, bringing that product back onto the field. I don't think we're going to have any issue with a deal getting done. It's just, will they get all the things they want? When I say they, I mean, really, I guess both sides. So we'll see how it shakes out. I just want to touch on that a little bit more. I know we went into it yesterday for a little bit, but not all the details were out. Still, all the details aren't out, so we'll keep talking about this as it progresses, and maybe we'll have some more answers. But as soon as this thing gets punched through and ticketed, uh, be on the lookout because a lot of teams, as I said earlier in the podcast, are waiting for this thing to get done so they can make moves on their roster and see really what is the case moving forward. You're talking about this free agency. It's going to change things, how some of those contracts are, as I just described that 17th game, if that is in there or not. So we will see. Coming up next, we're going to talk about a couple things. I do have a couple other stories that I saw. Uh, former Ram gets in big trouble. And we're also going to look at Jared Goff and, and the tale of two seasons and, and kind of finish this episode this week out on a high note, give you some confidence in QB1. We'll be right back. Lockdown Rams Friday, your team every day, only on Lockdown Podcast Network. So yesterday had a few things we wanted to get to. We didn't get a chance to. Great thing is we're doing this five days a week. So we will just bump some of those things back when we get Jake Ellenbogen back on. We got to talk to him about a few things, uh, especially an article he wrote with some crazy offseason trades. But another thing that I didn't get to yesterday and that kind of popped up as there was news about this, a former Ram, as I mentioned on the other side, getting in big, big trouble. Greg Robinson, former number two overall pick of the Rams. And actually, as we had Sosa on earlier, he actually tweeted out and said that Greg Robinson would be on the Mount Rushmore of failed draft picks for the Rams, that, that he was that bad. I think we all agreed to that, had some really rough, terrible years here in Los Angeles, really known for more holding penalties than anything else in his career with Los Angeles. He was struggle town since the beginning. He had all the upside, but never really developed. But he was arrested down in West Texas as they found 157 pounds of marijuana in a rented vehicle in which he and two other people were riding in. Authorities charged him with conspiracy to possess marijuana with the intent to distribute. If convicted, two of them could face up to 20 years in federal prison. The third person is kind of to be said as clueless. There was some text message even uh, that went back and forth that he was an Uber driver and he thought he was just helping out. Then there was another text thread that basically said, hey, we want to pay you to take the fall if anything goes bad. But speaking of bad, this is bad for Greg Robinson. Again, former Auburn University standout, drafted in 2014 by then the St. Louis Rams. Uh, he signed with Cleveland Browns back in 2018. And of course, Browns recently informed Robinson's representatives that they do not intend to re-sign him as a free agent. I don't know if that happened before or after. Wouldn't surprise me either way because uh, he's been pretty much a disappointment in his career overall. And really, it, not to get too far off track here, but I don't. Why, why are you smuggling marijuana in these days? Like this is the United States. There's a lot of places where you could just get that for free. I didn't even know people were still smuggling marijuana into the states. This is a guy that's made over $25 million in his career. Why? 
just why? You just never know. Some of these guys uh, just can't stay out of their own way. Greg Robinson being one of those guys. So I uh, wanted to kind of touch on that former guy that, you know, when he was a Ram here, we loved to kind of uh, bash on him. When he was out of here, we kind of loved to say, man, thank God he's not here anymore. That will go down as probably one of the worst draft picks for the Los Angeles Rams. That came in the same draft where they got Aaron Donald. Other guys that were in that 2014 class that the Rams might have gone a different direction, Khalil Mack. Can you imagine if you picked up Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald in the same draft? That would have been crazy. There was also Mike Evans. There was Odell Beckham, Anthony Barr, Clowney. He went number one, so we probably weren't going to get him. But there was tons of opportunity in that draft. Zach Martin, talking about how we need help at O-line, man. You got just picked the wrong guy. Jake Matthews for the Falcons, another guy. I mean, really, if you just picked any other tackle in that top half of the draft, Taylor Luan, you might have gone a different direction. But a lot of hype for Greg coming out of uh, Auburn there and just was kind of a hit and miss. But before we got here, because now I'm just ranting and raving about Greg Robinson and kind of missing what I wanted to talk about here, and that was Jared Goff. J.B. Long put up an awesome article on therams.com talking about... The strong finish that Jared Goff had in 2019 and really to kind of give you hope going into 2020 that, hey, it wasn't all Jared Goff. And yes, that he's had his issues with turnovers. We talked about it, the fumbles, the interceptions, the pick six, all that. But this is what he said as far as metrics go. And I'm going to the article here now to kind of compare. He takes the final five games of the 2019 season and compares it to what he did in his Pro Bowl season of the 2017-2018 season. So in those last five games, his yards per attempt were 7.8 in that Pro Bowl year. They were 8.5. 2019 last five games, touchdown percentage 5.1. It was 5.8 in 2017. Interception percentage in the last five games, 1.9. Going back to 2017, 1.8 QBR rating in the last five games, 98.2 in that Pro Bowl season of 2017, 100.8. So really close when you're looking at, again, those last five weeks. And in fact, he said that in those last five weeks, week 12 to 17, Goff ranked eighth in the NFL as yards per attempt, comfortably ahead, as he says, of the likes of Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins, Deshaun Watson, And as we mentioned just a second ago, the big thing we've talked about is the turnovers. Now, he doesn't talk about interceptions in this one, but he does talk about fumbles. And looking over Goff's career, he's averaged about eight to nine fumbles in his career each year. But he only put the ball on the ground once after the trip to Pittsburgh in week 10 and did not fumble at all the whole month of December. And then he also kind of goes to talk about the offense line, which we know about. Um, But it was in shambles week one through 11. He said nine different players started at the offensive line in weeks one through 11. Six who were making their first or second NFL start in their career. And then going to weeks 12 through 17, they had just five starters at that spot. So they really solidified that offensive line down the stretch. And and as he kind of closes out, he said, I'm not sure if the combination of Andrew Whitworth, Austin Corbett, Austin Blythe, David Edwards, and Bobby Evans is the final answer, but... You might want to look at the health and stability as a group that gave McVay and Goff a foundation to build on as they did so successfully in those last five games. So that is a good way of looking at it, right? You can really highlight the end of the season and kind of look at that early part, those first 10, 11 weeks, as really just a mess as we're trying to find a good group of core on the offensive line. 
Once we had stability and we had a group of guys that played together for a handful of weeks, we started to see some improvement. It was giving McVay and Goff the ability to trust them a little bit. Plus, as we mentioned many times, they kind of switched up their game plan in trying to help that offensive line. A lot of rollouts, a lot of bootlegs. But going into 2020, if we can fix that offensive line, we get Joe Noteboom back. We you know, solidify the center and Austin Blythe stays around. We feel good about it. Or we go out and draft or we get a guy to slot into one of these positions. We got some of the young guys in David Edwards and Bobby Evans. I mean, Bobby Evans at right tackle looked really good. There's still some growth there, but he looked comfortable being thrown into that mix out on the right tackle. We still have Rob Havenstein, who's making a bunch of money. Can't really get rid of him either. Uh, The dead money for him versus what we get back just probably isn't worth it. Maybe that's a guy you trade, but uh, there's some opportunity for this line to take big steps in 2020. And if they do, if they come back strong, giving Jared Goff some better protection, giving him some more confidence, Sean McVay with a new coaching staff on the offense side of the ball to kind of take some of the responsibility off him and also kind of help during those games and and keeping him focused on a game plan you might see this team jump right back to where we saw them in 2017, 2018, and get back on track with that offense, which would be key. Again, we still don't know what's going to happen with Todd Gurley in that running game and what the plan is moving forward. They've apparently met recently to kind of talk that over. We haven't heard anything. Again, Rams keep a lot of things very close to the chest. But love this article from JB Long because I thought it really gave a good look at the tale of two seasons for Jared Goff and that he still got it in him. We just got to get this thing done in 2020. So that's all I got for you guys today. We'll be back on Monday, a full week of episodes, getting ready as we start to kind of look in at that draft combine, who's going, who's not going, including the Rams staff. And then we'll just kind of take a look on what is happening on the trade market, on the free agent market, on people getting cut, who is still on the Rams roster and who is not. So much to get into as this thing just gets crazier and crazier in this offseason here in the NFL. But with that, Rams Nation, you know what it is. Until next time, peace. Hey, Locked On listeners, you already love our network of NFL shows, so why go anywhere else for the fantasy football information you need to know for the 2020 season? You just need to check out Locked On Fantasy Football, hosted by me, Vinny Iyer. We're counting down to the season by breaking down players and teams every day. It's no-nonsense, straight-to-the-point, smart fantasy football analysis that has only two goals in mind, helping you dominate your drafts and win your league championship. That's Locked On Fantasy Football, only on the Locked On Network.